0: part 1 chapter 5 of 800 leagues on the amazon this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org 800 leagues on the amazon by jules verne part 1 chapter 5 the amazon the largest river in the whole world said benito to manuel valdez on the morrow they were seated on the bank which formed the southern boundary of the fazenda and looking at the liquid molecules passing slowly by which coming from the enormous range of the andes were on their road to lose themselves in the atlantic ocean 800 leagues away and the river which carries to the sea the largest volume of water replied manuel a volume so considerable added benito that it freshens the sea water for an immense distance from its mouth and the force of whose current is felt by ships at 8 leagues from the coast a river whose course is developed over more than thirty degrees of latitude, and in a basin from which south to north does not comprise less than twenty-five degrees. A basin, exclaimed Benito, can you call it a basin, the vast plain through which it runs, the savannah which on all sides stretches out of sight, without a hill to give a gradient, without a mountain to bound the horizon? And along its whole extent, continued Manuel, like the thousand tentacles of some giant polyp, two hundred tributaries flowing from north or south, themselves fed by smaller affluents without number, by the side of which the large rivers of Europe are but petty streamlets, and in its course five hundred and sixty islands without counting islets, drifting or stationary, forming a kind of archipelago, and yielding of themselves the wealth of a kingdom, and along its flanks canals, lagoons, and lakes, such as cannot be met with even in Switzerland, Lombardy, Scotland, or Canada, a river which fed by its myriad tributaries discharges into the Atlantic over two hundred and fifty millions of cubic metres of water every hour. A river whose course serves as the boundary of two republics, and sweeps majestically across the largest empire of South America, as if it were, in very truth, the Pacific Ocean itself, flowing along its own canal into the Atlantic. And what a mouth, an arm of the sea, in which one island, Marzo, has a circumference of more than five hundred leagues! and whose waters the ocean does not pond back without rising in a strife which is phenomenal, a tide-race, or pororoka, to which the ebbs, the bores, and the eddies of other rivers are but tiny ripples fanned up by the breeze. A river which three names are scarcely enough to distinguish, and which ships of heavy tonnage, without any change in their cargos, can ascend for more than three thousand miles from its mouth. A river which by itself, its affluence and subsidiary streams, opens a navigable commercial route across the whole of the south of the continent passing from the magdalena to the ortaquaza from the ortaquaza to the carqueta from the carqueta to the putameo from the putumayo to the amazon four thousand miles of waterway which only require a few canals to make the network of navigation complete in short the biggest and most admirable river system which we have in the world the two young men were speaking in a kind of frenzy of their incomparable river They were themselves children of this great Amazon, whose affluence, well worthy of itself, from the highways which penetrate Bolivia, Peru, Ecuador, New Granada, Venezuela, and the Forigianas, English, French, Dutch, and Brazilian. What nations, what races, has it seen whose origin is lost in the far distant past? It is one of the largest rivers of the globe. Its true source still baffles our explorers. Numbers of states still claim the honor of giving it birth. The Amazon was not likely to escape the inevitable fate, and Peru, Ecuador, and Colombia have for years disputed as to the honor of its glorious paternity. Today, however, there seems to be little doubt but that the Amazon rises in Peru, in the district of Huaracro, in the department of Tarma, and that it starts from the lake of Loracoca, which is situated between the eleventh and twelfth degree of south latitude. Those who make the river rise in Bolivia and descend from the mountains of Titicaca, have to prove that the true Amazon is the Yucayali, which is formed by the junction of the Paro and the Apuramac, an assertion which is now generally rejected. At its departure from Lake Laricoca, the youthful river starts toward the northeast for a distance of five hundred and sixty miles, and does not strike to the west until it has received an important tributary, the Ponta. It is called the Marignon in its journey through Colombia and Peru up to the Brazilian frontier, or rather the Maranhão, for Maranhão, is only the French rendering of the Portuguese name. From the frontier of Brazil to Maneos, where the suburb Rio Negro joins it, it takes the name of Solameis, or Solomoans, from the name of the Indian tribe Solameo, of which survivors are still found in the neighboring provinces. And finally, from Maneos to the sea, it is the Amasinis, or river of the amazons a name given it by the old spaniards the descendants of the adventurous Orellana, whose vague but enthusiastic stories went to show that there existed a tribe of female warriors on the rio namunda one of the middle-sized affluents of the great river from its commencement the amazon is recognizable as destined to become a magnificent stream there are neither rapids nor obstacles of any sort until it reaches a defile where its course is slightly narrowed between two picturesque and unequal precipices. No falls are met with until this point is reached, where it curves to the eastward and passes through the intermediary chain of the Andes. Hereabouts are a few waterfalls, were it not for which the river would be navigable from its mouth to its source. As it is, however, according to Humboldt, the Amazon is free for five-sixths of its length and from its first starting there is no lack of tributaries, which are themselves fed by subsidiary streams. There is the Chanchipa coming from the northeast on its left. On its right it is joined by the Chacapoyas coming from the northeast. On the left we have the Morona and the Pastuca, and the Gualaga comes in from the right near the mission station of Laguna. On the left there comes the Sembraya and the Tigre flowing from the northeast, and on the right the Hualaga, which joins the main stream 2,800 miles from the Atlantic, and can be ascended by steamboats for over 200 miles into the very heart of Peru. To the right again, near the mission of San Joaquim Magüas, just where the upper basin terminates, and after flowing majestically across the pampas of Sacramento, it receives the magnificent Ucayali, the great artery which, fed by numerous affluents, descends from Lake Chiquito, in the northeast of Arica such are the principal branches above the village of iquitos down the stream the tributaries become so considerable that the beds of most european rivers would fail to contain them by the mouths of these auxiliary waters joam Garral and his people will pass as they journey down the amazon to the beauties of this unrivalled river which waters the finest country in the world and keeps along its whole course at a few degrees to the south of the equator there is to be added another quality possessed by neither the Nile, the Mississippi, nor the Livingstone, or, in other words, the old Congo-Zaire-Lualaba, and that is, although some ill-informed travelers have stated to the contrary, that the Amazon crosses a most healthy part of South America. Its basin is constantly swept by westerly winds. It is not a narrow valley surrounded by high mountains which border its banks, but a huge plain, measuring 350 leagues from north to south, scarcely varied with a few knolls, whose whole extent the atmospheric currents can traverse unchecked. Professor Agassiz very properly protested against the pretended unhealthiness of the climate of a country which is destined to become one of the most active of the world's producers. According to him, a soft and gentle breeze is constantly observable, and produces an evaporation thanks to which the temperature is kept down, and the sun does not give out heat unchecked the constancy of this refreshing breeze renders the climate of the river Amazon agreeable and even delightful. The Abbe Durand has likewise testified that if the temperature does not drop below 25 degrees centigrade, it never rises above 33 degrees, and this gives for the year a mean temperature of from 28 degrees to 29 degrees, with a range of only 8 degrees. After such statements we are safe in affirming that the basin of the Amazon has none of the burning heats of countries like Asia and Africa which are crossed by the same parallels. The vast plain which serves for its valley is accessible over its whole length to the generous breezes which come from off the Atlantic, and the provinces to which the river has given its name have acknowledged right to call themselves the healthiest of a country which is one of the finest on the earth and how can we say that the hydrographical system of the Amazon is not known? In the 16th century, Orellana, the lieutenant of one of the brothers Pizarro, descended the Rio Negro, arrived on the main river in 1540, ventured without a guide across the unknown district, and after 18 months of a navigation, of which record is most marvelous, reached the mouth. In 1636 and 1637, the Portuguese Pedro Texira ascended the Amazon to Napo, with a fleet of forty-seven pirogas. In 1743, Lacan d'Amine, after having measured an arc of the meridian at the equator, left his companions Bugère and Godin de Audenay, embarked on the Chinchipe, descended to its junction with the Marignon, reached the mouth at Napo on the 31st of July, just in time to observe an immersion of the first satellite of Jupiter, which allowed this, Humboldt of the eighteenth century, to accurately determine the latitude and longitude of the spot. Visited the villages on both banks, and on the sixth of September arrived in front of the fort of Para. This immense journey had important results. Not only was the course of the Amazon made out in scientific fashion, but it seemed almost certain that it communicated with the Orinoco. Fifty-five years later, Humboldt and Bonpland completed the valuable work of la Contamine and drew up the map of the Marignon as far as Napo. Since this period, the Amazon itself and all its principal tributaries have been frequently visited. In 1827, Lister Maw, in 1834 and 1835, Smythe, in 1844, the French lieutenant in command of the Boulonnaises, the Brazilian Valdez in 1840, the French Paul Marcoy from 1848 to 1860, the whimsical painter Biard in 1859, Professor Agassiz in 1865 and 1866, in 1867, the Brazilian engineer Franz Keller Linsenger, and lastly, in 1879, Dr. Crevoe, have explored the course of the river, ascended many of its tributaries, and ascertained the navigability of its principal affluence. But what has won the greatest honor for the Brazilian government is that, on the 31st of July, 1857, after numerous frontier disputes between France and Brazil about the Guiana Boundary, the course of the Amazon was declared to be free and open to all flags, and to make practice harmonize with theory, Brazil entered into negotiations with the neighboring powers for the exploration of every river road in the basin of the Amazon. Today, lines of well-found steamboats, which correspond direct with Liverpool, are plying on the river from its mouth up to Maneos. Others ascend to Iquitos, others by way of the Tapajos, the Madeira, the Rio Negro, or the Purus make their way into the center of Peru and Bolivia. One can easily imagine the progress which commerce will one day make in this immense and wealthy area, which is without a rival in the world. But to this medal of the future there is a reverse. No progress can be accomplished without detriment to the indigenous races. In face, on the upper Amazon, many Indian tribes have already disappeared, among others the Cura Securus and the Sorameos. On the Putumayo, if a few Uries are still met with, the Yahas have abandoned the district to take refuge among some of the distant tributaries, and the Mayus have quitted its banks to wander in their diminished numbers among the forests of Yapura. The Tunantins is almost depopulated, and there are only a few families of wandering Indians at the mouth of the Urura. The Tefe is almost deserted, and near the sources of the Yapur there remained but the fragments of the great nation of the Yumawa the Coari is forsaken. There are but few Muris Indians on the banks of the Purus. Of the ancient Meneos one can count but a wandering party or two. On the banks of the Rio Negro there are only a few half-breeds, Portuguese and natives, where a few years ago twenty-four different nations had their homes. Such is the law of progress. The Indians will disappear. Before the Anglo-Saxon race, Australians and Tasmanians have vanished. Before the conquerors of the Far West, the North American Indians have been wiped out. One day, perhaps, the Arabs will be annihilated by the colonization of the French. But we must return to 1852. The means of communication, so numerous now, did not then exist, and the journey of Yoham Garral would require not less than four months owing to the conditions under which it was made. Hence this observation of Benito, while the two friends were watching the river as it gently flowed at their feet manuel my friend if there is very little interval between our arrival at belem and the moment of our separation the time will appear to you to be very short yes benito said manuel and very long as well for minha cannot be my wife until the end of the voyage chapter five.